I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Happy Friday, May 27th, and welcome to Not Gambling Advice. I'm Peter Apple. That's Colby Olson. We have a mailbag today answering all your fantasy, baseball, and gambling questions left on our Twitter at gambling underscore advice, as well as on our Instagram at just baseball show. If you want to be featured in the next mailbag, make sure to leave your questions on those and make sure you're following at just at just BB media is the main one follow our Twitter at gambling underscore advice. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we would appreciate a like or a comment. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Colby, we got a mailbag today and we have seven questions ready to rock. We have a bunch of different ones, some betting ones, some fantasy baseball ones, but you have a freshly shaven face and it's not just because, you know, you're getting a little uglier. It's because it's for a reason. <laughs> it does get a little scraggly at a certain point and you either just have to go through that ugly phase of just kind of looking a little homeless into like the full grown phase. Um but yeah, the Red Sox as of late have been really, really hot. And I said to my dad, you know, I haven't shaved in a while. The Red Sox haven't lost in a while. So I'm going to keep the beard going until they lose. They lost last night. The funny thing about that is I just saw an article on ESPN today that was saying that, you know, the Red Sox were performing so terribly at the beginning of the year. And Alex Cora came to the year with a fresh new beard, mm. new look, gray beard. And he actually shaved it after their huge losing streak and said, you know what? We need some new mojo. He shaved wow. it. They immediately went on a winning streak. So me and Cora did the opposite, but it looks to be working. I have the Red Sox winning tonight. You know, obviously this episode is going to come out tomorrow, but go Red Sox. That's the thing too. Um, I get a lot of DMs sometimes, you know, when I'll put out, uh, let's say we're in the middle of the fifth inning and I have the full game over or a money line or something. And I'll make a comment like I'm jin- jinxing it or something. And I just think to myself, if I have that power, Wow. If I have that power, it is amazing. And you shaving your face, Alex Cora, maybe in the dugout, could have an effect. Your effect, we'll see. That's all I got to say. We'll see. It has zero effect, but it's fun. It, it is, is fun. fun. <laughs> you know who else is fun? Byron Buxton's pretty fun. I've called him one of the most talented baseball players on the planet, but he has been struggling lately. I mean, his last seven days, he doesn't have a hit. Going into today, which we again, we were recording on Thursday to really release on Friday. He is 0 for 20 in his last seven games. He's slashing about like 0, 0, 0, 83. Absolutely. Or 0, 0, 83, 0. He has zero hits. He has been struggling. So the question is, what has been the cause for Buxton's recent struggles? Asked by Dylan Edwards on Instagram. Colby, I'm going to throw that over to you, but I do want to preface it with, I think he's just going through a little bit of a lull. And I think he's going to break out of it soon. I don't see anything concerning, at least on my end. The beauty of baseball is I think it really is the most random sport out there or one of the most random sports out there where that there can be, you can do every single thing right in your power, which is to one, hit the ball, make contact with the baseball, get up to the plate. You can walk as well, which he's doing 13% of the time over the last 61. Let me preface it with this, Peter. Over the last 61 plate appearances, right? He's 0 for his last 29. But beyond that, in his last 61, he has an 096 batting average, 58 WRC plus, but he's still just striking out 21% of the time. He has a 13% walk rate and a 231 ISO in that time. But 
an 0-2-8 BABIP, batting average on balls in play, 0-2-8. I mean, this is a guy that should be having a BABIP, you know, 350, 360, 370 because of how hard he hits the ball, but his his uh, batted ball profile is a lot of line drives. So this is just dumb bad luck. If someone believes that Byron Buxton is going to be bad like this, or not just like this, but like if he they think that he's going to go on a slump for a while, please just trade for Buxton now. And I think people might be concerned about Buxton, not only for the production, because I feel like everybody knows that this is going to be okay, or at least maybe some don't, maybe some are worried right now, but I feel like the majority know that he's going to be okay. I think people are concerned with the injuries. Is he injured right now? Is that's what's causing the struggles? I haven't heard anything. When I watch him, it doesn't look any different. He still looks great out there in the outfield. So I don't think it's an injury thing. I think it's just a little slump, but it's funny. You go through his game logs. It's not like he you know, has been just, I mean, he hasn't, he's clearly hasn't been good, but it's unlucky. I mean, he, he has a yeah. 43% hard hit rate over that span, 12% barrel rate. I mean, all of that should tell you that this is a guy that should not be hitting 096. And it's not like he's striking out 35% of the time either. Like he's doing everything right. It's just, it's just baseball. This is the beauty of baseball is you can do everything right and still end up with the wrong, wrong outcome. It's funny though. He only has one stolen base so far. I think we may have overprojected him on stolen bases because, you know, we give him the, you know, he could steal 30, he could steal 40. He could do that realistically because of the speed. But I don't know how many stolen bases we should expect from him going forward. I feel like that is something to look at. That's something to talk about because the the one time he did get hurt this year was on a stolen base. And I think that may have may have scarred him a little bit, not just mentally, but also like, you know, he might be scared physically that if he keeps stealing bases, he's going to get hurt again. So yeah, he stole nine bags in just 61 games last year. He's just stole one base this year. And I think it is as a product of him getting hurt on that one stolen base. So that is something to monitor. You know, in five categories, stolen bases is one of them. And so is batting average, and he's hitting 202. He's not going to hit 202. But the one stolen base, that's something to monitor. He may not be doing it. How does he have a 174 Babbitt? Like, I get it. He hit. He has 11 home runs, which those are not balls in play, per se. He doesn't but... hit the ball on the ground that much. He does not. He definitely does not. That's enough, though. Enough where it's like, come on, really? It's fluky right now. It will not continue. He will be better. That, that's what we're saying here. So the next question is along the same lines, but this guy has more been struggling the entire season, change of scenery. The question is, what's going on with Nick Cassianos? I know it's only been 25% of the season, but he's hitting 30 points below his career batting average and 100 points below his career OPS. Growing pains in a new market, question mark? Asked by Andrew, I don't want to mispronounce, B-I-E-S-E-C-K-E-R on I'm going to say Bicycler. Bicycler. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mispronounce, but I tend to mispronounce. What? Shout out, Andrew. Shout out you for the question. What's going on with Nick Cassianos? Colby, before you get into it, because I know you got the data, I was always a little bit nervous for Nick Cassianos leaving Cincinnati. It was clear that when, you know, before he came over to Cincinnati, he wasn't that kind of hitter. But then when he went to Great American Ballpark, he had this unreal season in a bandbox of a Little League ballpark, basically. Then he moves over to Philadelphia at Citizens Bank. How is he going to adjust there when his best seasons came with Cincinnati? So I was always a little afraid that we'd get a little bit of a downturn. I didn't expect this much, though. What's your read on Nick Cassianos right now? 
I mean, the read on Nick Costanos is exactly how you you portrayed it there, right? Moving from Great American Ballpark, which this year actually has the highest park factor in all of baseball, a one twelve park factor, higher so than that means course. scoring is is up twelve percent compared. I mean, and so like it's a small ish sample, three year sample there, but uh, Coors Field's one ten, Fenway is a one oh nine right now, and so. Citizens Bank Park, where the Phillies play, is a hundred park factor currently, and so you you just kind of had to figure that he was in Detroit, which is the worst hitting ballpark in all of baseball. Then he goes to the one of the best hitting ballparks in all of baseball, crushes it, right? Home run per fly ball rate, well over twenty percent. Basically, everything he was hitting in the air was going out of the ballpark or for a double, and you just kind of had to figure that him leaving that just insane offensive environment was going to impact his game this year. Um, so. I, I, I think, you know, he's been even more disappointing than we thought this year. And I think he still has a lot of time to write the ship. Um, his hard hit rate is down a little bit and he's not hitting, you know, home runs as the rate that he wasn't in, in great American ballpark. But I would say that I would expect him to bounce back a little bit from where he's at, but I wouldn't expect too much more than what he's doing right now. Here's my thing too, at um, great American ballpark last year. He demolished fastballs, hit 376 off fastballs with 21 home runs against the pitch. This year, he's hitting 269 with three home runs. And he almost has half the amount of strikeouts that he did all of last year already against fastballs. My thinking is those fastballs that he was able to get over the fence, maybe a double, are now dying at the track. That's possibly a reason as well. You know, something else of interest, Pete, is, is, you know, he's still hitting fastballs pretty well. Yeah. Um, but actually, he's getting a career-high breaking ball percentage against right now. 44% mm-hmm. of pitches against him right now are breaking balls. Makes sense. 36% last year, 40% in, in 2020. Um, small sample, obviously. Small sample this year, too. But guys are really starting to learn that they got to attack him breaking breaking balls early in the count. And if you can get ahead with breaking balls on him, he, he's a, you know, he, he can be an easier out than when we thought. I think it's a combination of that. I think it's the combination of that. Those fastballs are not getting the same distance from Nick Castellanos bat as last year, combined with the fact he's seeing more breaking balls, a pitch that he struggled against last year, not as much as this year, but definitely was much better against fastballs. Now he's seeing more breaking balls. We'll see how he's going to adjust. But my thinking is he will not be close to that 900 OPS that he put with the Reds, that he's probably going to be in the low eights, probably around 830, 840. And that's kind of what, I think we should expect moving forward from Nick Castellanos. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There we go. Let's talk about best and worst teams to bet on right now, currently in baseball through 45 games of play. So when I was going through some of the ATS ATS standings or at the spread, basically, um, I found some interesting ones, Colby, that I think you're going to really like too. So first of all, just at the spread. So teams that have covered the spread the most, either the plus one and a half or minus one and a half. The Arizona Diamondbacks are number one at 28 and 17. The Dodgers are number two at 26 and 17. And the Orioles are third, actually, at 26 and 19, rounded out by the Mets and the Rangers. So we see big teams like the Dodgers and the Mets because when they win, they more often than not cover the spread. For example, the Dodgers right now are 26 and 17 against the spread and they have 29 wins. So they have covered now 26 spreads. 
which is incredible to me. And the Mets, it's been similar with them too, but it's a little bit janky. The only reason I say I know the Dodgers for a fact have covered the spread 26 of the 29 wins is because they are never an underdog. So you're never going to see plus one and a half Mets occasionally. So I'd have to look deeper in there, but at least against the spread, Diamondbacks number one, Dodgers number two, Orioles number three, Mets number four, Rangers number five. Which one of those surprises you? You run through them again. <laughs> Diamondbacks one, Dodgers two, Orioles three, Mets four, Rangers five. The Orioles shocked me. The Orioles is shocking. They did play well to begin the year. I mean, the Diamondbacks, you know, it's not shocking because of how well they performed, but that is absolutely shocking to just see preseason. If you were told that you would have said, holy shit. But I mean, that's the reason, uh, Peter, have we even bet a plus one and a half this year? I don't think we have. I hate betting a plus one and a half. I hate doing it because I'm either going to take the money line with the value where I think they're going to win, or I think the team who's going to win is going to cover the spread. Betting a plus one and a half, I never see the value in it really because it's normally juiced and it's such a weird outcome. I don't have the exact stats of how often those hit, but more often than not, I feel like they don't. I do want to start looking into not the plus one and a half, but um, but actually the the first five plus a half, I think could actually be a, a valuable play at times because yeah, if the game's tied after five, you you win. Exactly. Next so let's on. talk let's talk about home road splits. Who's the best covering at home? It's actually the Orioles at 16 and seven. They've covered at home, followed by the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, the Pirates, and the Dodgers. On the road, this one's crazy. Of the A's, 25 <laughs> games that they've played on the road this year, they have covered 19 times. The Padres, of their 24 games on did the road. Did you see the A's? Wait, did you see this A's record at home, though? A's record at home? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. We're going over the best ones so far. Mets are 16 and 9 against the spread on the road. The Dimebacks are 15 and 7, and the Red Sox are 14 and 9. So those are the five best on the road. And the five worst at home right now covering the spread. The A's are four and 17 against the spread at home. Reds are six and 11. Nationals, seven and 16. Padres, seven and 13. Braves, eight and 16. Anything from there shoot out to you? Yeah, I legitimately think that the A's are sending a message to their owner saying, we need a new stadium now. Like we're, we're not going to play well in the Coliseum until you buy us a new stadium or think we're moving it. to Vegas. Would you be motivated to play when you have 3,000 fans in the stand and nobody seems to care about your team? You're probably more fired up on the road when there's 20, 30,000 people. Kind of makes sense. So um, at against the spread, so now we'll move into over-unders. We'll break into some of the best teams over versus under. If we're talking overs, tail the Reds, 25 and 17 and one for the over. Giants, 25, 17 and one as well. They've been hot. Braves again 25 17 and 2, Mariners 23 and 20, Rockies 23 and 20 as well. And those numbers are pretty close because Vegas really does a good job with their over under over under totals for the games. Absolutely, man. I think I'm excited for you already kind of spoiled it pre-show on this next one I'm on the unders, but I, I just want you to get to that because that's Isn't that's a, a fun one. Of the Astros, 45 games they've played this year. 33 of them have been under the total. That's a 73.3% rate best in baseball, followed by the Tigers who have one of the worst offenses in baseball. So that makes sense. Tigers games, 13, 29 and one at the under 
Blue Jays, the offense has not gotten going. We know that. We always project them to be hitting, and they are never really are, at least lately, 15 and 26 and two against the under. The Red Sox, I mean, Colby, 16 and 25 and two versus the under, and the White Sox. So what we have is four of the best offenses in baseballs. In baseball, most of their games are going under between the Astros, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and White Sox. The White Sox pisses me off because I, I know I've bet a lot of White Sox, or I was betting a lot, not White Sox, Astros first fives early in the year, and they would always be tied after five. They don't give up runs either. That's the crate. I mean, obviously, if these games are going under, they're, the amount of times that they've finished a five-inning span, 0-0, zero, zero, I bet is a lot this year. I bet it's a lot this year. Next question, let's move off betting back to fantasy baseball. But this is an interesting one because he wants us to put a fantasy spin on it. Is Nolan Arenado a legit MVP candidate? Asked by Cy.Ingersoll on Instagram. Cy.Ingersoll actually asked the last question as well. Colby, it's interesting how we can spin this. I guess we're we're talking about the fact, can Nolan Arenado keep this up? Like, Do we believe that Nolan Arenado, offensively at least, we know defensively he's one of the best. Nobody's going to say he's not. Um, and he still is, at his, as, his um, as he ages, which is kind of incredible. But Nolan Arenado is the hitter. You've always been a bit more down on Arenado, I feel like, than maybe the public has. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say down. It's just this guy lives off of Babbitt luck and has forever because he played in cores. But, you know, leaving cores, it was kind of expected that he would take a step back last year, and he did. 113 WRC plus 255 average. Um, and actually, his ex woba was below his WOBA last year even. And so this year, it's kind of the same story. as a 385 WOBA, a 340 x So that's a, a massive gap. The power output's pretty similar to last year. Um, I would say he's gotten off to a crazy start. He's getting MVP looks right now. But it really does have that narrative, the classic narrative of, yep, Remember uh, back in April and May and maybe the beginning of June when Nolan Arenado was the talk of the town? Well, you know, it's October now and the MVP award's giving out and Arenado's not even being talked about in it. But he's going to be in the All-Star game. I can tell you that. He's going to be one of the highest vote-getters, but I don't think he's a true MVP candidate. And I, I, I think you could sell high realistically, realistically right now. Here, it's kind of been a tale of two months for him because he was – Unfreaking real in April. Unreal in April. Slash 375, 444 on base, 681 slugging to give him a 1,125 OPS. It's incredible. But then we move to May, slashing 214, 269, 429 slugging to give him a 698 OPS. So he has fallen off that cliff a little bit after one of the best months in baseball. He was basically the MVP candidate through April. Peter, what do you think his hard hit rate is? Without looking, I'm going to guess 38%. Yeah, 36%, right? So That's even lower. You know, I was he, going low on purpose. Yeah, and, and so he is not hitting the ball particularly hard. He's hitting the ball in the air a lot, which good for him um, because that's going to lead to some power. But uh, this average looks way fishy to me. 288 with a, you know, what's his X batting average? 267, so hit 255 last year. I kind of see a regression back towards what he was doing last year. Obviously the runs in RBI production, hell, it's going to be amazing in this Cardinals lineup. Um, but yeah, I, I think right I think, now you could sell high. I think we're on a sell high. I think that's where we were at with Nolan Arenado in a fantasy perspective, because defensively he's in the 98th percentile. Now it's above average and he's a phenomenal player. 
fantasy perspective, probably sell high on Nolan Arenado. So Peter, before you get to the next question, I do want to go over something from the, the over under down analysis we were going through earlier. So you were, we were talking about how the Rockies go over a ton. Well, tonight I have them going under Mm. eight and a half. And I went over to my bookie to do that. So if you use the promo code, just baseball, go over to my bookie, get in your bets. You know, we're going to be, it's Memorial Day weekend. We're going to be cooking burgers, cooking hot dogs. We're going to be betting on baseball. Maybe a few Bud Lights mixed in. Pete, what do you think? Some Bud Lattes. I could be in, I could be intrigued. I, I could be, be intrigued, intrigued for, for a Bud Light, maybe a Corona with lime. Wow. And my bookie, of course. So go to my bookie, use promo code, just baseball and tail us man i mean we've been i've been heating up i'm nine and six my last 15 after a little cold stretch but i'm feeling a a good month for us coming i was 10 and six last week this week currently i went what did i go one and one two and one oh and two and then we just lost on the reds cup so i'm about even this week or no actually probably down this week and um, we were up last week overall plus 11 points. You got a weekend to go. We're, here. we're feeling good. And I feel good over the weekend too. So download my bookie. You get a 50% deposit match. If you use code, just baseball, I've been using my bookie a lot because I just think that they have generally better lines for baseball. Can't say the same about football and basketball, but at least for baseball, they've been very sharp and it's sharp in a good way. I mean, like they're giving us better lines. I grabbed this nationals Rockies under this morning at, um, under eight and a half plus 100 on my bookie. That's what I'm on saying. DraftKings on the other apps. It's like minus 115 for that. So you're getting a really, really good value there. That's what we're talking about. My bookie. If you're betting on baseball, that's the place to go. Use code, just baseball, get a 50% deposit match. So whatever you deposit, they'll throw on 50% free money for you to use and tail us all, but it's not gambling advice anyway. So let's continue. How is Justin Verlander looking better than he has ever been? And what should fantasy owners do with him Buy or sell high or keep asked by D Hills on Twitter. This is an interesting one. And I really want to hear your analysis on it because you do pride yourself on the pitching. And I love that from you. I want to hear what your thoughts are on Justin Verlander because I went on the just baseball show and I said, I think maybe Justin Verlander could win the Scion. It was not a hot take that I really wanted on the record. I just had a feeling I was like, he's going to come back and dominate. And he truly is. I feel bad because I didn't stamp my foot on the take, but I was feeling it. So I want slight credit, not all credit though. Slight. It did really have that feeling. Cause we saw what Charlie Morton did, you know, a while ago when he was, you know, 36 came back from an injury and just dominated, but Verlander at age 39, there was at least a little concern that he was going to slow down, but a year over no, two years off Pete, right? He threw six innings in 2020. Then he gets all of 2021 off. So He's not a 39-year-old with a lot of work on his body over the last three years. So coming into this year, he is fired up. A 1.22 ERA, 2.53 XCRA. Peter, I don't know how you could, in your right mind, sell this guy and or trade for him. Because I think, again, I don't think any owner is really looking to get rid of Verlander. You know, maybe someone's looking and, okay, his K percentage isn't what it once was. Still 26%. He's walking less than 5% of batters limiting hard contact. One thing that Justin Verlander does the best in all of baseball and has for his entire career, he limits, he doesn't give up runs with runners on base. 
right? Yeah. If you go down his Fangraphs page and look, his left on base percentages are always at the top end of the league this year, 96%. So you have to believe that's going to come down a little, but in 2018 and 2019, his left on base percentage were 85%, then 88%. I think he's going to leave on 90% of batters this year, cruise to like a mid two ZRA. And I think you're right. He could, it's going to be him and Garrett Cole down to the wire. I know Garrett Cole last time out gave up five run, but I still think Garrett Cole is right there in the Cy Young race. Isn't it incredible? It could be Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole at the end here. I just, I this just is legitimately no, Nolan Ryan shit. Like, and, and that's another thing about Nolan Ryan is he was great with velocity. And if Justin Verlander was dipping in velocity or, you know, his pitches didn't seem to have the same break on him, maybe it drops in spin, maybe drops in movement, but he was still carving through hitters. Maybe, you know, we think about it be like, is he possibly going to regress? But he's throwing just as hard as like he did in 2017. I mean, 95.3. So now if you go back to seven. If you go back to 2015, Verlander was throwing 93 and a half on his fastball. In 2022, 94.9 average. That's what I'm talking about here. No complaints at all with Verlander. He is an absolute keep unless someone blows you out of the water. That's the only reason. Okay, wait, before we move on. Yeah. What is what pitchers would you legitimately accept for Justin Verlander if you had him on your team? <sighs> Burns. <laughs> who else? Because I I agree. I think it definitely Burns, but I don't know who else. Because Scherzer's hurt, Degrom's hurt. Bueller has had his struggles, but I still might take Bueller. But that's that's questionable. Um, I don't Arias, think you can take possibly. I don't know if you can take anyone except Burns. Right, that's now. nuts. And I'm not disagreeing with you either. That's nuts. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I'm going through it. And leave us a comment on YouTube if if you think that another pitcher you'd rather have right now than Justin Verlander. I mean, Nestor Cortez Jr. No, <laughs> no but like no, well, let, Nestor's amazing. Well, Nestor is amazing. I'll but be real I mean, with you. He's a top 20 arm right now. But Justin Verlander is Justin Verlander. He's performing like it, which is bad news for the rest of the league. Before we move on to our next question, I want to talk to you guys about prize picks because not only are we betting on my bookie, the lines, the totals, all that kind of stuff, but on prize picks, they have better value for props and we have been killing it. Yesterday, we had a four or five flex win, which is another great thing about prize picks. We have four of five. If you were to place that parlay on a different book, you're losing it. On prize picks, we won. They give you money. They're not going to, they don't take away the whole thing. You don't win the whole thing, but you can win even if you hit four of five. We had four or five yesterday. That was a winner. Now, today, we cooked up another one on Twitter at gambling underscore advice or at just BB Media or on my Twitter at Peter Apple 23. We're cooking up all these different Twitter spaces as well as doing lives on TikTok to break it down, build these props as a community. Because when it just comes from me, it's fun for me, but it's not as fun as doing it with the community. So I, I suggest that you go and click the link in our episode description you get a full deposit match to prize pick. So whatever you deposit, they will match it. And then you get to use all that free money to play along with us as we try and win, because we have been doing better lately in the prize picks. And now that we have this community and we're building it, we'd love you to be a part of it. Go follow us on Twitter. So you can, we're going to be doing spaces around 2 PM Eastern daily. Come join those. And we're going to build the ultimate prize picks lineup. And if you want some free money, click the link in the episode description and you get a full deposit match on prize picks.
Anything else, Colby, about prize picks? You've been having fun. I have such a blast on prize picks. Um, and no, nothing, nothing for me on prize picks, but just encourage people to come and, and tell us along today. We were doing the Twitter spaces and like, that's such a blast. You got to come join those and, and uh, get in on the fun. Cause we literally let everyone have a voice. If you have a good play, we're going to tell you. So come exactly. and come and talk with us. Exactly. Peter, this next, next question okay. is really, really fun. I'm going to give it to you first okay. and then I'll, we'll switch it up a little bit here because like it. it's a fun question. And it's a guy that I've itching to talk about because I think his debut slid under the radar. So Chris on Twitter asked, do I stick with MJ Melendez at catcher or try and make a waiver move for William Contreras of the Braves? And so MJ Melendez, obviously the Royals, you know, one of their top prospects who hit 40 bombs last year in the minor leagues. William Contreras, also a top prospect in his own right a couple of years ago. Again, another another debut that kind of slipped on the radar because that was during the COVID season. Um, but both guys have have some upside here. So I'm going to I'm going to throw that one to you first and I'll counter. I love MJ. I love MJ. You know, he, he's got a little, he's got some moving parts in his swing, but when the man makes contact, that ball flies. He's got a good baseball background with his dad, Marvel Melendez at FIU. I'm just a big fan of Melendez. My only, only thing is he has crushed fastballs this year. Crushed them. Breaking balls, off-speed pitches, not so much. Seeing about 52, 53% fastballs right now. Are they going to start breaking it off against him? That's my only concern, but it also is early. So those stats against breaking balls could be a little bit, you know, finicky. But overall, just my belief as this kid is a prospect led the minor leagues in home runs last year. I think we're talking about William Contreras. I think this guy's bat could be as good as Wilson Contreras. So I would take MJ Melendez over William Contreras. And we'll see who has the better offensive season at the end of this year. Cause I know Wilson has been incredibly hot, but Wilson is also hitting yeah, over 400. I know I'm not, I'm, now oh, I'm okay. comparing him to Wilson. That's how okay. far I'm going. Wilson is, is amazing as a DH. He's in like 400 as a DH, but he's in like 230 as a catcher. So when he plays a catcher, he's not as good. I wonder if they're going to start moving him to DH. That won't matter as much for fantasy, but that is something to monitor. But that's how much I love MJ Melendez's bat. So, Peter, the, I think the reason that Chris asked this question, too, is that you have William Contreras, who over his last 13 games, he really started playing at the beginning of May. Over his last 13 games, he has seven home runs. He's hitting 273, 373, 773 slugging percentage. I know. So, you know, obviously he's probably the hot waiver pickup right now, but I'm going to bet on MJ Melendez over the full season, especially the catcher position, because MJ plays every single day when he's not catching behind the dish, he's DHing. So you get a lot more upside out of, out of that because he might play at least a game, sometimes even two more games a week than William, because William's also battling for catching time with Travis Darnell. Um, so obviously William Contreras has that hot start going right now, but I'm going to bet on, on uh, MJ long-term still three bombs to his name, 259 average, very, very respectable line there. And it's just the, the prospect that I trust more. I agree. I, I'm sticking with MJ Melendez. I know William Contreras is hot right now. He's hitting a bunch of home runs for the Braves. 
give me MJ. I think MJ finishes with more home runs at the end of the year than William Contreras does. And I think he's just the better overall player. And I'd rather bet on that over the full season. So keep MJ Melendez. And if you want to add William Contreras, I mean, it's not a bad option to get. He's absolutely on fire right now, but I'd stick with MJ Melendez. So let's move on to the last question, Colby. Last question of the mailbag. Do you subscribe to the strategy of leaving one of your pitching slots open and adding a new starter each morning? They pitch that night and then you drop them. Rinse and repeat. Asked by Chris on Twitter. And me personally, I play in a league where we have a set number of starts per week. So it's only 10. So you can't do that. And I've never really played in any leagues that allow you to have as many starts as possible. So I'm going to throw that over to you. Have you been instituting that strategy in any other leagues that you play in? Because most of the leagues I play in, there it's I only get 10 a week. I would say I do it a couple times a week in one of my leagues. Um, you know, every league is different with rules. Some allow you to pick up a guy every single day, right? Seven matchup acquisitions. I play in most of my leagues where they limit it to three or four per week because they don't want people doing that because they yeah. feel like it's almost kind of unfair to people that are like sitting at their desk watching fantasy baseball all day instead of like doing other things, which, hey, respect to people that do, respect to people that don't. Um I probably do it a couple week, a couple times a week. I would say is is I'll pick up a guy and drop a guy. Um, like I have Tyon going tomorrow. I believe I picked him up yesterday because I saw that his numbers have been amazing. I don't know if I'm gonna hold on to him forever, but hold on to him for now while he's hot. But let's say, like, let's say you can do that. I think it is the best strategy. Like if you I are think focusing it's an on fantasy strategy. baseball and in your league you are able to add a new starter almost every day, I love it. I mean, why wouldn't you? It. It really all depends on who you're picking up too, right? If you play in a really deep league where you're picking up some bad pitchers to replace those innings, right? It can actually hurt you and whip an ERA. So just make sure that if you're subscribing to that strategy that you don't sacrifice too much on, on the ERA and whip. Just because Dallas Keuchel is pitching doesn't mean that he should be in your fantasy lineup is what you're saying. Just because he's available doesn't, he could give you negative. So that'll do it for this episode of Not Gambling Advice. Hopefully you guys all enjoy your Friday. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. If you are interested, before you head out to the holidays, download Prize Picks, get a full deposit match. That link is in our episode description, as well as sign up with my bookie. They'll give you a 50% match on your deposit. And Colby and I's opinion, have the best baseball lines out there. We will see you on Monday. We're going to do more pitchers to stream, more waiver wire pickups as well. Colby, anything else before we say goodbye and have a good weekend? No, that's it. I'm just looking at Dallas Keuchel's Fangraphs page. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. And with that, thank you, everybody.